Welcome to this week's edition of Holy Apostles Weekly Sermons. neither will your father forgive yours. 
Now, this might come across as, it might sound a bit like a threat, but I suggest to you that it is actually a, a deal, which is being offered to us by God. And with all the, as with all the deals which are offered to us by God, this is a good one for us. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. We might think of trespasses or, or sins or offenses in sort of qualitative terms, right? Like how many are there? And so we think there are some people that we have to forgive a lot and other people we have to forgive less. And then we make the same mistake when we look at God and we think, well, I'm pretty decent, right? So God doesn't have to forgive me very much. But so-and-so, he's pretty rotten and God has to forgive him a lot. But there actually is not, it's not a, it's not a quantitative difference here. The difference is, let us say, well, the only word for it is righteousness. The righteousness of God versus the condition of us. And let's look at first at the trespasses that others commit against us that we have to forgive. And the first thing I want to say about that is that we actually don't know what those are. We might have in mind someone said something to us. Or someone did something to us. Or someone even looked at us a funny way that we're pretty certain is indicative of, of some kind of bad thoughts in their heart directed towards me. But the reality is when we set out to judge these things, and in our hearts we begin to condemn people, we are acting on only the most flimsy evidence. We have only the flimsiest evidence before us. We are willing, all too often, to reduce the total complexity of a human being's life into one moment, one phrase, a, a, a bit of a time of weakness, even a, a, a strange look, which might have had to, more to do with indigestion than with what they think about us. And we can reduce that person's life to that. And we say, that is a bad person. They have something against me which they shouldn't have, therefore, I will have nothing to do with them. I, I beg you to look into your hearts at the, at the grudges and resentments that you've held over the years and tell me if this is not true, at least part of the time, that this is what we are dealing with. The word for that is, is pettiness. It's just pettiness. Moreover, we make an even more serious sin or transgression or offense because when we look at that person, we have failed to see something about them. We have failed to see that they, just like you and me, they started out life as a little baby. Right? I think about my little daughter Joanna back there in the corner. Pure, innocent, full of potential. With the whole life ahead of them. And that through various circumstances in life, people end up getting beat up and hurt and injured. And they become, get to where they react to things. And sometimes people get to adulthood and yeah, they are pretty hard to be around. But nobody started out life with the goal, one day I'm going to be hard to be around. 
One day I'm going to be really difficult to everyone around me. No one started with that goal. Everyone started with innocence and absolute potential. But it gets even worse for us. <laughs> because as Archbishop Dimitri of Blessed Memory always said, when we see another human being, at the very least we should acknowledge that that person possesses the image of God. That God made everyone in His own image. And at the very least, we owe the acknowledgement of that to everyone. He would always say this on the Unforgiveness Vespers. Because there's all, inevitably you come up against somebody that you don't even know their name, and you're just like, I don't know why I'm asking forgiveness from this person, or why they should forgive me. I don't know that I've done anything to them. But his point was always this. You failed to acknowledge the image of God in that person. And it is perhaps the most serious thing that we do to each other on a regular basis. And yet, with understanding the, our own inability to judge righteously, nevertheless, we go about our day from day to day judging and condemning for slight offenses or maybe even non-offenses those who are around us. So let's contrast that with God and His forgiveness. Because God has asked us to forgive those things. And He has made His own forgiveness contingent upon our willingness to do that. That is, if we will forgive offenses that others have done against us, then He will forgive us. But we see that the offenses that other people have committed against us are really sometimes even non-offenses. But whatever the case is, they're pretty, uh, our, our judgment of them is inaccurate, almost inevitably. And we contrast that with God and His forgiving of our offenses. God who looks upon the heart of each and every one of us with absolute clarity. There is no confusion on the part of God. He is not deceived. He does not make a mistake. Whenever we set out to sin and we justify that decision, God sees it. When we condemn someone in our heart for an insignificant and frankly uh, idiotic reason, God is aware of it. In other words, in His righteousness, He sees our unrighteousness. He beholds it with absolute clarity and certainty. As many times as we have chosen, been faced with a choice between good and evil, and we have chosen evil, and then made a bunch of excuses for why it was okay to make that choice, God has seen it. His judgment is absolutely certain, and it is righteous. So you see, there's a difference here. When God says to us, Forgive your brother his offenses. What he's saying is get over yourself. You don't understand. You don't have the information in front of you that is required to make an accurate judgment in any of the cases in front of you. Get over yourself. Put it aside. Stop letting that thing, whatever it is, 
be the determining factor for how you're going to interact with this person because you know what? It's a faulty foundation. And if you will do that, if you will come to an understanding of your own limitation and of your own ignorance, and if you will be willing to wipe the slate clean and give people a chance, then I will forgive all of those things that you and I both know that you did with absolute certainty. Without any deception, without any confusion, without any smokescreen, we and God know what is necessary to be forgiven to us. You see what I mean whenever I say this is a good deal. We're, asking, we're being asked to, be, to, to forgive non-offenses. Things which we cling to for bizarre, strange reasons because of the temptation of demons or because of the, the corruption of our own thoughts. God is just saying that if you will just do that, then I will wipe the slate clean concerning all the offenses that you have committed. Real ones. Terrible ones. I will remove them and it will be as if they did not exist. I will forget them utterly. If you will make this small step. And of course, the church appoints us to read this gospel and to have this theme before our eyes on the eve of Great Lent because now we enter the season of the Great Fast, referred to in the church as the season of repentance, as if there's a time when we stop repenting, right? But nevertheless, it's a season, it's a time of intensified repentance. Repentance means looking into our own hearts, examining ourselves, examining our motivations, examining, examining how we think about people and how we relate to God. And it's not something that we just do by ourselves. It's not something that we just kind of go home and sit in our room and do this. But we are called upon to do it in a very intense way in the church. And by that I don't mean in the building wherein we worship God. Properly speaking, this is called a chapel or a temple. The church, the word ecclesia, refers to those who are called out, those who are gathered together. These people right here that you stand with every Sunday. In that context, we are called upon to enter the season of repentance together. And so it is necessary for us to understand that it is in this context that you and I will put this commandment into practice or not. With these people, we will begin. Of course, there are people in our lives outside of this building, outside of this community. And we will have to forgive them too. But in, in this specific context, context we will begin to look at those who have offended us and to forgive them. It is here and now for us to begin to put that into practice so that we, as a Christian community, can wipe the slate clean. Because all of these things, all these offenses that we carry in our hearts and all these grudges and resentments are nothing but a distraction. And Great Lent is not a time for distraction. It is a time for focus. A time for us to focus above all on the Lord Jesus Christ.
And so we put these things away from us for the sake of sharpening our focus on the Lord Jesus. To presenting ourselves every day before God with a pure body, a pure heart, a pure soul. And to stand before Him with faith and with reverence and with hope. This is what we are called upon to do during the season of Great Lent. And the church requires of us, God requires of us, that we begin by forgiving one another and that we will thereby enter the season of the Great Fast. As you all know, uh, this evening we celebrate Forgiveness Vespers at 6 o'clock. It is technically, according to the liturgical books of the church, the first service of the Great Fast. And uh, I will urge you now, and I will say it at least one more time today, that you come back for that service. If you're in any way connected to this parish, if you've been here for more than one Sunday, you should come to that service tonight. So that you and I together can begin to offer forgiveness, to receive forgiveness, and to set our hearts firmly on the path to walk with the Lord to Golgotha and beyond. To God, the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be all glory, honor, and worship unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our midst.